The following podcast may cause you to change your understanding of what it really means to be a human being. Side effects may range from a minor loss to complete annihilation of ego, a feeling of merging with something bigger than previously conceived, and a deep, abiding peace. Please, continue at mortal risk to yourself as a separate entity. Welcome. Enjoy. Greetings, 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 all one-time live listeners. Thank you for being here to listen to this episode 30 of this humble podcast where I do my best to offer opportunities to go beyond the separate sense of self and realize that we are all now happening consciousness moving through our limited lifespan in this physical material body as a limitless infinite force of energy in the form of consciousness that those things that appear to divide us or make us so different the further down you go or the the fewer barriers that remain when you expose them to the eternity and infinity they dissolve and as those barriers dissolve we find ourselves in a unity of being this is more than a kumbaya la-di-da let's hold hands and sing songs though that's really awesome to do this is legitimate fundamental reality so in a world where we may be encouraged to see each other as different looking ideas preferences what have you Uh, remember inside we are one it's the same human consciousness being born somewhere to someone growing up there dealing with life as it comes doing the best that they can given their circumstances and becoming who we are at the moment this is our story so love yourself for making it through your story to now and love each other for recognizing they've made it there too and see that we are each other this episode i'm really really honored to have been able to have a conversation with laura robles who i've known since early 90s i think maybe even 1990 She's really one of my favorite people in the world. You'll hear it in her voice and her laugh. Uh, She's such a generous guest, so easy to talk to. She should have her own podcast, really. Um, We talk about a few interesting uh, high points that Laura is very familiar with through direct experience. Um, One of them is lucid dreaming. Uh, One of them is mind over body or mind over matter healing. And the third is ghosts. We talk about all three of those um, to a fair extent. And uh, 
Yeah, Laura is proficient there and has these exceptional powers. She says she's an aspiring superhero, but I, I think that she's a legit uh, street-level superhero, uh, accessible to us ordinary folk who are so lucky enough to know her. Um, Laura is an artist. She's a photographer. Uh, she's very talented. Um, and... Yeah, she's a, she says she's a student of mind over body, but I, I'd say that she's uh, a proficient amateur expert. I'm going to use that term, coin it, said it. All right. If you have any questions, of course, all one time live at gmail.com. Love each other. Love yourselves. Here you go. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Okay, I have to remember what I did last time. Is it this? Yes. That's the one. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I listened to two of your podcasts um, before I went to bed, and they were so good. I really liked them. Cool. Good. Thank you. You listened to the interview with Chris Moraski and the animal one, you said? Yeah. Cool. Right on. <laughs> and then and then I messaged um, your friend Chris and told him I liked it too. Oh, right on. That's great. Good. Thanks. Yeah, he's somewhere out in the wilds of Montana right now leading this uh, primitive, not primitive skills. Um, I mean, it is, but rather Stone Age skills course. I don't know the reason to change the wording from primitive skills to Stone Age, but I think it may be that primitive sounds like it's demeaning somehow. It undervalues, you know, the, the true worth of the skills to call them primitive. So, and this guy's in a kissing fit right now. He really <laughs> loves me. And it's, it's difficult to tell him not to kiss me, but I got to <laughs> He's really sweet. He was back at the, um, the rescue place today because uh, we had to go into town. So I th every time I bring him back there, if Ilya yeah. is working and I have to go work, I'll bring him with me. And uh, he's always, I think, a bit suspicious or, you know, uncomfortable having that to go back there. Oh, that he's not going to come back home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. He has a little medical issue um, that's kept him off of being adopted for a short period, but as of today, he's back on the website. So I think someone will adopt him quickly. He's such a beautiful dog. <laughs> Aww. Aww. So you're not going to keep him? Or are you just going to be open to having other dogs? Yeah, one? we're not going to keep him. I, I love him to bits, but he'll get a good home for sure. Um, and if we have a dog here permanently, then I can't take dogs from the shelter home. Uh, so I'd rather be able to continue to give other dogs a chance to have a place away from the shelter until they get adopted. That's pretty much how I'll do it. If I happen to find a dog that I'm like completely in love with, which actually did happen, Laura, this dog <laughs> looked at me like golden. Um, oh. Yeah. And uh, I love her and I miss her. Um, but I think it was an important meeting like that to see that there is that strong connection out there still and to, I, you know, I lost the opportunity to keep her before we knew what happened, both Illy and I. Um, and in the end, I think it's important to keep that space to have, you know, like I said, to give the opportunity for more dogs to have a, an alternate home. Oh, that is nice. So we're, we've already begun the podcast, so, you know. Okay. Okay. That's cool. No worries. This is all, this, this banter is all part of it. It's life okay. and conversation. 
but just so you know. <laughs> okay. We don't have to. We can. We I can stop and edit out and jump forward or whatever at any time. But uh, yeah. Okay. Do, Nothing's do, off the table. All right. <laughs> okay. Do you want to ask me stuff, or do you want me to just talk about what I want to talk about? I mean, like you what, can. How, it's it's totally open. So, you know, having listened to a couple episodes, you know, like the direction of it. What I like to do is talk to people about their direct experiences. And I certainly encourage uh, an, an understanding of like the way we're connected, the bigger world in which we're part of, um, experiences with the the conscious and the unconscious or the super conscious, the, the, the invisible world in which we're immersed in, um, lucid dreaming, as I know that you have a, a talent for, um, you know, but I don't have an agenda or a script. So you can, okay. you have something that's on the tip of your tongue or on your heart or mind right now. I invite you to go ahead. Okay. Okay. Well, today my mom and me talked um, downstairs in the kitchen she is the one that taught me how to do my uh, mind over matter stuff when I was six years old. Okay. And she hasn't been doing so good. So I was like reminding her because I'm like, you taught me how to do this. Now I feel like I have to like re, you know, teach her how to do it again. Cause she is like lost, you know, her practice of doing it. But like, mm -hmm. since I learned so young, I don't even really do anything specifically because my body already knows, you know, this is what I want. So I don't have to like, I used to do a meditation that she taught me, which was to lay on my back and close my eyes and imagine that my pain is smoke and okay. then push the smoke out of my toes and my fingertips. And then when it was gone, I wouldn't have pain anymore. So oh, that's really cool. I'm I'm practicing that now slowly as you talk just to It it works so well, especially when you're a little kid and you hear that from somebody that you trust, you think, "Well, this is 100% going to work." And when you have that 100% faith, yeah. you it just happens. So yeah. like as I was growing up, every single time, you know, I had something cuz I had all those pains in my legs when I first got sick with my muscular dystrophy, um I would do that with my mom. And then as I got older, every time there was something, it would just, I, I would just block it automatically. And I would think, wow, you know, I never get sick. I always feel good. You know, and I just thought it was a coincidence or whatever. <laughs> but then uh, when I was in college, remember when I got hit by that truck or whatever? Oh, um, yeah. I was crossing the street. And right when I saw the truck's headlights coming towards me I knew I had like I don't know two seconds or something and I just whispered like no pain because I knew this was going to be like one that I would have to actively do but like I didn't know like I couldn't go into a meditative state or do anything except uh -huh. for just say that and the second I felt it I just felt you know, myself falling under the truck, but I didn't feel any pain. I didn't feel the impact. I didn't feel my knees or anything like that. And I felt totally fine. I was like, oh, that's probably because it's shock because people always want to discount what I do because they don't think it's, it's possible. And yeah. like, it is possible. And then like the next day, I didn't feel anything either or the following day. So yeah. it wasn't shock because shock is just what, like initially or whatever. Yes, yes. 
And so I try to like tell people that, you know, you, you probably have experience with it, but you just don't realize that you just think, oh, it's something else. You want to like, you know, I guess science it away, which I'm like, why isn't your body part of science? But apparently it's, you know, it's supposed to be, um, Kevin calls it like, um, like parapsychology, like in the same with psychic or some like psychic healing or all that. I'm like, well, what's wrong with those things? Those things are valid too. But he's like, well, your thing is, is what science is views as kind of like, um, a failure. And I'm like, why a failure? And he's like, because they use that placebo effect to test drugs. Uh. And, and so if your body is healing itself, they think, oh, well, this is a failure. This drug doesn't work better than your mind. And I'm like, why is that a failure? Yeah. They should be working on that. Yes. Heal themselves. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, well, Laura, and he always tries to make me feel you know, small, like it's not, it's something that they know about, but they just don't really work on it because they don't know how to work on it. But I was able to find one lady in Stanford. She did like a TED talk about it. And it was so cool. I just saw it like two weeks ago. And uh, she looked a lot like um, Britney Spears. So all the comments were like, thanks, Britney, which (laughs) which was funny, but she's like a, a doctor and a researcher and uh she said that she was trying to find out what were the elements into healing yourself and i knew what they were but i wanted to hear how she was going to go about like you know sciencing it out so that people could believe it because people don't believe it if you just tell them they have to like see data about it you know yeah and- so she had like a group of people volunteer to do like an allergy study and she would, um, you know, like when you have those uh, prick tests and they put like a, all those needles on your arm and then they circle the ones that you're allergic to or whatever. Yeah. Well, I've had that before too. And I was read on every single one of them. And <laughs> They just put a big I, circle around your whole arm. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, you can't have anything. And they're like, well, some of them were worse than others. So the ones that were less bad, you know, just keep eating them because, you know, you won't have anything else to eat. So that's what I do. And it's fine. So um, she had all these people come in and obviously she doesn't tell them it's for placebo research. It's she wants it, them to think it's for this allergy cream which is nothing it's just like lotion or something so she tells everybody that um the the thing she's going to give them is like antihistamine or whatever and then they all get these allergic reactions everyone gets these red bumps on their arms and then she comes back in and she's really you know she's really nice and attentive and she tells them this cream is going to take it away and that they're going to feel way better maybe even a hundred percent it will go away so then they come back in 10 minutes later and everybody's was almost gone and even though it had nothing to do with anything they all believed her and so it went away so then they're like okay we're gonna try something else so then they came in and they said this cream might make it worse we're not sure but it's possible that it could be a lot worse after this so they come back in 10 minutes later and everyone's is way worse it's like their arm is like three times as bad and it's the same cream 
it's the same cream, yeah. So, so then she said, okay, the other thing that she thinks contributes to how much better or worse you get is on how much you believe in the person telling you. Yeah. So she comes in with one group and she's really friendly and smiling. She makes eye contact. She has like a researcher and like head doctor on her um, uniform. She has like stuff on the wall. Wearing lab she- coats. Yeah, and that she has, you know, uh, whatever her stuff on the wall, all her awards and everything. And so when she tells them, they immediately believe her and get better or worse. The second group of people, she has student doctor on her lab Uh Uh He doesn't make eye contact. She spends the entire time on her laptop. And when they talk to her, she doesn't really answer them. She, She acts like she is, like, busy and she's kind of, like, not rude, but not nice. So she's, you know, very businesslike. And then when she tries to do something, she like fumbles with the equipment, like she's incompetent. And when they came back in later, it was no change for those people because they thought, you know, her say meant nothing. Yeah. So and that's fantastic. So she, yeah. So when you do it to yourself, you have to believe in yourself. And so that's, that's what I always thought was awesome is because when you're healing yourself you only have to believe in yourself you don't have to believe in some random stranger that's talking to you but giving yourself permission to accept the experience to happen like to to believe that the pain is leaving through your fingers and toes like smoke to believe that the placebo is the medicine to whatever the belief is to completely allow you know like commit yourself to it right and I, I, I've been trying to use it for my anxiety. And when I started doing it at first, I was, just, I kept thinking, all right, all I got to do is, you know, imagine my anxiety as something and push it away. And, and but then I'd always be like, well, what if it doesn't work? And like my mind would just go yep. all crazy. Yep. And, I, and it was, it was really hard for me to quiet my mind. So that's why I started doing those hypnotherapy things, which is, that Scottish guy, I had like a synchronicity thing with him. Cause when you were talking about synchronicity, I had that with my hypnotherapist. It was so cool because before my therapist suggested this guy, his name is Andrew Johnson. I thought, well, I would like, I would respond to somebody with like a cool accent. Cause I always associate like Scottish and British and Irish with like magic and stuff like that. And I thought that would make it, you know, more fun or more you know like I could escape into their voice and be Uh like okay this person do it so when she told me Andrew Johnson I'm like I don't know that name sounds so boring and generic hi my name is Andrew Johnson yeah (laughs) so then she's like just try it I'm like no I would rather have somebody that's you know and I tried to explain it and she's like all right but I, I think you'll really like him so finally, I'm like, all right, I checked and I went through a bunch of people and I nobody really, you know, sparked my interest. And so I'm like, fine, I'm just going to listen to this Andrew Johnson guy. And it turned out he was Scottish and he did have a magical voice and he was awesome. Uh, and so I was just cool. like, oh, God, that's so weird that it was the, she knew the right person the whole time, but I just didn't, you know, listen to her. And then when I heard his voice, I decided I wanted to see what kind of person is he. So I found a YouTube interview where some like local guy from his small town interviewed him because all of the other ones are just his voice. But I wanted to know like what kind of person is he. Yeah. Um, 
he was a really cool guy. He, he believed that through meditation and through like hypnosis that he could teach people to heal themselves in, in like, um, like partially. And he said that he was hoping that the more he, if he could find the right people that he could have people heal themselves a hundred percent. And I was like, God, I wish I could work with him because I think I could do it. I really do. And so I'm like, when I heard that that was a thing that he was passionate about, I'm like, okay, he's totally my guy now. And the first time I listened to him, I was like a little bit nervous because I had those images of hypnosis is like when you cluck like a chicken and you know, all that stuff you yeah. have on TV and movies. And I had like kind of a bad um, experience when I went to UW Oshkosh in the eighties, they had like a hypnosis person come and it was supposed to be like entertainment and funny or whatever, which made it seem like, you know, I guess scary. I thought it was scary. And I, I remember feeling really anxious because when they did the hypnosis thing, when they were done, they asked people if they were accidentally hip, hypnotized yep. to raise their hands and three people raised their hands and came up on stage. And that, for some reason, really terrified me that these people had not volunteered to be hypnotized, but they were. And when they woke up, they were on stage, not in the audience anymore. Uh-huh. And they're all- Oh my God, you know, and I was thinking that is terrifying because they never said, yeah, I want to be on stage and people, you know, laughing at me or whatever. Right. I would, I thought that would be dramatic, but they asked them stuff like, what was your favorite TV show when you were, you know, four years old or whatever. And then they would say, and then I would be like, I never heard of any of those shows, but I mean, now that we have the internet, we can look it up and be like, oh yeah, those shows were around and whatever whatever year that was but and what was your favorite cereal or what what is something you remember from you know time this time period that because yeah they say that you can remember every single thing that ever happened to you but you just can't access it after a certain time I believe that I'm like I think that would be so awesome so to get that that image of that day even though it happened like you know when I was like 17 years old I had to try to let that go and let it work for me. So I listened to his voice and he had, he did a lot of visualization, like visualize yourself, you know, in the grass with, you know, with your friends, people that make you feel safe. And, and then once you get to that place, like you get to pick your place, you know, he doesn't tell you what to imagine. And I'm very good at that. So once I got through that, then he starts suggesting things like, you know, how to heal yourself and how to be more positive and, you know, not assume everything is going to go wrong and, you know, do things like be productive, get everything done instead of procrastinate. Like he, he like encompasses, like he has one for each thing. Like if you want to be, he, there's one called visualize healing, which is my favorite one, but there's also one for positivity. If you're being like, you know, you just feel like, you know, miserable and you're worried about things and stuff like that. That one works good for me too, because I tend to get really worried. Like when my mom goes to the emergency room, which is all the time and, you know, you can't, you can't really do a lot except for worry, which I know worrying is not helpful at all. So instead I'm like, okay, mom, we're going to visualize your arteries getting open more and your blood flowing through them. 
And today, that was what we talked about in the kitchen. She said, every morning now, I'm visualizing mm. that section of my heart getting open so that my blood can flow through it. And she said, I think it's working. I think that I'm, I'm doing something. And I'm like, if you think you are, you are, you know, yeah. so you know, just keep it up, do it every day, several times a day. And so, and I'm doing it with her. I try to imagine it for her. And so it's, it made me feel better that, you know, she said, okay, I'm going to do this. And cause I don't, I hate when people just say, I can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can, you can do it. You just aren't, you just, you just don't believe it. You're not trying and stuff. So when people start trying, they notice something and my partner is a science scully girl yeah so i told her a lot of examples of how this could work and you know negatively and positively and she said i i understand that it works for you but i'm since since i'm so set in my science ways i don't think i can change my physical body by thinking about it and then one day she came upstairs and she starts laughing and she's like, I have something funny to tell you. And I'm like, what? And she goes, this morning when I woke up, I was making some toast for myself and then I was just about to put it in my mouth and I noticed there was blue mold all over it. And she was like, I freaked out. I felt like I was going to vomit for three hours, even though I didn't put it in my mouth. It was all my mind telling me that if I would have eaten this I would have gotten sick so I made myself sick and she's like she's like you are so right your mind is way more powerful than you think it is so now she's totally on my side and she's gonna have surgery next spring and now we're gonna start working together so that when she wakes up from her surgery she doesn't feel anything and she feels good and she's calm and she can you know heal slowly but without pain because she wasn't open to it before that which I think it's funny that it was something so negative <laughs> that, that made her see it yeah, but, that's something that's powerful negative things tend to be stickier and more memorable or something or more motivating you know um, but to, to allow that experience maybe that's what it took is like some some really harsh yeah Good Lord. I, I know what she means. One time I put an olive pit in my mouth that I thought was a nut. It turned out there was like a, a olive sampling station. Um, it was my first trip to Sweden and they had like this big food market and I was really impressed by it and all the cheese and stuff. And I didn't like olives at the time, but I like nuts. So there were these bowls of olives. I didn't want it, but I saw then a bowl of nuts. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I took a few and popped them in my mouth. I could not bite into them at all. And then it occurred to me, that these were not nuts. These were the pits of olives that people had spit out of their mouths. And I like, I pictured, you know, I was fine up until then. And then I pictured like the most disgusting possible, you know, situation that someone had, you know, that the last place that this olive pit was. And once I thought of that, yeah, I felt nearly nauseous for a long time. As long as I thought about it, it was a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, it, as long as you like hold on to that thought, like, oh, this person has the plague or Ebola or something, you know, your mind yeah. is going to manifest it for you. And you're just like, okay, if you imagine that, you know, it's somebody that's just like me, that's just fine, you know, then nothing is going to happen. It would just be like kissing somebody or whatever. But I know I, when I when I go someplace and... 
I, I interact with somebody and now, you know, cause of the coronavirus or whatever, and they cough immediately. Your mind goes to that person has coronavirus. Now sure. I have coronavirus, yeah. which right. is usually it's because that person has been talking a long time and then they cough because their throat is dry and they can't drink water because they can't take their mask down. Or there's like so many reasons they could have coughed or cleared their throat, but because of coronavirus, you're like, we're all going to die, you know? And you're just like, that's not, you know. I chew nicotine gum right now. Um, Partially because I was using snus, which is like a Swedish thing. It's a tobacco in a pouch that you put in your lip and it's, it's, way nicer than the the american version of that um the the tobacco pouches uh but i wanted to quit that so i started chewing gum and then i read that nicotine as well as thc um both discourage uh the infection of covid in the lungs um so now i'm like well i'm now i'm chewing it for my health of course i'm totally addicted to it and i i enjoy that addiction um and i'm not interested in quitting it at the moment However, it makes me swallow my spit sometimes in a way that makes me cough. And when I'm around people and that happens, I'm totally paranoid. I try not to do it, but I know if I cough and people look, they totally, their head whips around like whiplash, you know, and, and they stare at you and I, I feel for them, but um, yeah. These yeah, it's like you want to you want to make an announcement. I don't have coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> I just choked on my spit, everyone. <laughs> yep, it's all right. Just choked on my spit. No problem. Um, what was the synchronicity that you had with Andrew Johnson? It was that that he was that he was Scottish. Oh, that he was Scottish. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That and you that, were looking for that. He, yeah. Yeah. That I was looking for him. And then the other weird thing that happened was when I mentioned. Um, to Kevin, because I talk to Kevin almost every day. Is he the I guy said, online? No, he doesn't. He's not online. He's um dyslexic. He doesn't use the computer. Okay. Um, I just talked to him on the phone. I know him from UW Oshkosh too. Uh, all right. He there was like a dyslexia program there. That's why he was there. He's from uh, Manhattan though. So the day that I listened to him, he called me. He's like, "Oh, how was your day?" And I'm like, "Oh, really good." I'm like, "I listened to this uh, hypnotherapist named Andrew Johnson." And he said, you know what? I heard of him today for the first time on NPR. And I'm oh. like, that was weird too. Cause I'm like, what are the odds that somebody that, you know, is not interested in that kind of stuff at all. And he's very conservative. And he said, yeah, I listened to it and it was really interesting. And I thought of you, I thought, Oh, this is somebody Laura would like, and he was going to mention it to me, but I mentioned it to him first. Cool. So I was like, okay. Oh, so that was awesome. That was that was also in the same like two days of something, and I'm like, oh, so cool. And um, he said, he goes, you would make a really good like you know, like superhero kind of character. And I'm like, it is weird because I feel I almost feel bad that if I did because I have been using it for my um my healing stuff too. Oh, I have to tell you the healing story too. But he's but I feel bad that if if I'm able to like heal myself rapidly, like a Wolverine and, and I can hundred percent block all my pain, that would be a good superhero thing, but yet I can't walk. So it's like, that would be like, I guess professor X doesn't walk, but still, you know, but the, the, um, the, the, the healing thing that I did, which I was really proud of was my, when I hurt my foot, but I also did one 
where I had like a really bad allergic reaction. This is the first one I did. And whenever I would get this allergic reaction, it would, I would get all these like bumps on the inside of my mouth and on, on across my lips and they would be so itchy. Like, and yeah, I, and you cannot scratch them. It's like an yeah. itch. Yeah. And then you want to scratch it. And sometimes it's like, even the back of your throat, everything is so itchy and yeah. you don't, you don't know how to fix it. And then sometimes my, my lips would be feel numb or whatever. And when I would have a certain version of it, it would last for six days. It was so agonizing. And I'd like count the days. So finally I felt better. And then finally I'm like, you know what? It doesn't have to be six days. Maybe it can be, you know, one hour, you know, I think that would be better. So the next time I had it, um, I just lay down and closed my eyes and I pictured all of them gone and the itchiness gone, everything gone. And then, and then like I started watching something on YouTube and then I looked in the mirror and it was gone on the outside of my face. And then when I pulled my lip down, everything was gone and I felt great. And so I told one of my friends and he said, well, you should have taken a picture of it with the timestamp and then took a picture with the timestamp after to prove it. And I'm like, so you're saying yeah. I made it up? And he's like, I'm not saying you made it up, but I'm just saying that you can't prove it. And I was yeah. just like, okay. And then so that kind of annoyed me. So when I sure. hurt myself with my foot where I fell off my my sandals, yeah. and the, <laughs> I was trying to transfer into my chair and, my, and I couldn't zip up my sandals because I don't wear sandals. I always wear goth boots. Yeah. And But since it was like 95 degrees out, I'm like, I cannot wear these boots. So I bought these sandals but they had like a they're like patent leather and then they're not or fake leather or whatever yeah, yeah. and I couldn't zip the back part of them up because I don't have enough hand strength yeah. and nobody else was home so I'm like all right I'm just gonna put them on and then when I tried to transfer my foot turned and it and I went on the side of my foot and the whole side of my foot was purple and I was just like, ah, my foot hurts so bad. I'm like, I wonder what's wrong with my foot. And I just didn't look at it. I just uh -huh. said, oh, well, fine. And then at the end of the day, I took off my sock and my whole foot was purple. And I'm just like, oh my God, how did I not know that this happened? You know. Mm -hmm. And then Michelle's like, what did you do? And I'm like, I go, well, I did roll my foot, which I would have thought would have hurt my ankle, not made my whole side of my foot black and purple. And she's like, oh, that's weird. And I went in and showed my mom because my mom used to be a nurse. And she's like, oh, that's going to that's gonna hurt for days, probably a week. And like right away, I'm like, why is she saying this to me? Anyway, uh -huh. it's going to hurt a week. And she's like, it's going to look terrible for three weeks. And I'm like, no, it isn't. And she's just like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to get rid of it. Like, I'm going to try to do it as quick as possible. So I took pictures of it this time. You did. That's, that's what I was laughing at, by the way. Not, not the fact that you hurt yourself, uh, but, but that uh, I wondered if at this next tragedy, you remembered, oh, I'm going to take a picture with a timestamp. <laughs> yeah. That is the first thing I'm like, yes. So I was actually really excited that I had hurt my foot and that uh -huh, it was so uh -huh. visibly hurt that uh -huh. there's no way people could be like, you made that up or whatever. So I took, I had Michelle take a bunch of pictures from different angles with her phone because her phone has a flash on it. Because mine, it just looked like my whole foot was black. And I'm just like, that looks really weird. But that's not like accurate. You know, I wanted them to see like how it was kind of puffy and weird on the side. 
And then I laid in bed and every time I tried to get up to go to the bathroom, I couldn't put weight on it. Yeah. So when I would transfer, cause it was on the foot I used to transfer, I was like, oh no, this is going to be bad. How am I going to transfer? Because I needed to use my other side, but then the other side wasn't because the way that the way that my bathroom is, I needed to transfer onto the right side and it was my right foot, of course. So I'm like, oh God, this is, and so every time I went, I tried to do it in a way where I didn't put any weight on it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to mess around with this. I'm just going to do my pain thing right away and hopefully it'll fix it. So I went, it, it really hurt too. So I went into the bedroom and I laid down and I'm like, okay, this is what I want. And I just like had to talk with my body. I just like, yeah, I want, I wanted to stop hurting because I need to transfer and I want the color to go out and I want it to be like really, really pale, like blue or whatever, like by tomorrow. And I'm like, I'll give you three days instead of three weeks to heal it. And then I'm like, okay. So then I fell asleep and then an hour later I woke up and I had to go to the bathroom, but I had forgotten that I had done the pain thing. And so I tried to put my weight on the opposite foot, but since I was all tired, I didn't realize that I was putting all my weight on the bad foot, but I didn't feel anything. So I didn't notice until I got back in bed. I'm like, oh, it's already gone. So just, I, I did my pain thing so that it would be gone in the morning, but it was already gone. So yeah. it was, it was fine. It took me less than an hour. And then in the next day I had Michelle take a picture it was like 50% better. And by the third day, it was just a really pale kind of bluish purple. And so I sent it to my friend, Debbie, who's a nurse now. And I showed her the progression. And she's like, that's some amazing healing. You should be really proud of that. And I'm like, yes. So it it took another, like, I'd say another day before it looked all pretty much gone or whatever. But I was really proud because I thought for my first try at trying to like rapid heal something, and I'm like, okay, now that I know that it's a thing that I can do and I have photographic evidence or whatever, I'm like, I think that that will help me do it better each time because. For sure. Yeah. 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 There's something funny about having to have proof and, and maybe it's our conditioning. Like you said, when you were six years old and your mother, a person of authority and like, you know, a hundred percent, like godly altruistic, you know, uh, intent and and knowledge tells you something of course you know it's word and there's no questioning it but you know as as we're educated formally and taught to question things and and you know ask for evidence and even be suspicious uh or at least um curious skeptic it's more difficult to accept the things that we don't understand how it works that we can't see measurable evidence for. I know what you mean. Uh, I had a, a really great teacher that told about going into the um, rainforest. She was on like a, a women's vision quest. And I think maybe this was in South America, but she, she said she went into a mosquito infested rainforest and there, and she was naked and she had to make like a circle around her where she was going to be doing this kind of vision quest and uh, that she would ask the mosquitoes to please not come into that circle or, or at least to respect her in that circle. And they would come in and land on her, but they would not bite her. Oh, nice. Uh, 
And that that really like encouraged me to to extend that belief that that like if if I believe this and and engage in this, that permission that I give myself can extend to another and somehow there's that that joint, you know, it's like an external validation in that way. Like a mosquito lands on me and I don't get sick. So I'm going into a little story with this and I, and forgive me, but it just reminds me of what you said with your ankle. Um, that happened the same night that something else happened. I was camping with some friends. We were in uh, Lafarge, Wisconsin. There's like kettles and moraines and, and there's horse trails out in the woods and we're running down a horse trail, like full human gallop down a horse trail. And as we're running, you know, Lottie dog gleefully, I take a step and I hear this and then oh, I, kind no. of, I look at my friend and I take another step and like, like in a car accident, everything turned into slow motion. I take another step on the foot that didn't make the sound. And then <laughs> and on my next step, my foot is just like a floppy thing. Oh, and girl. I, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, you know? And, uh, and the options were A, go to the hospital or B, give my, you know, project my mind into my body, give my ankle permission to, you know, round up whatever it needs to heal itself and take care of itself for that night. And, and I did that and it, and it also took care of itself. And later that night I was dancing around the fire, literally the next day driving back home uh i was in a minivan because my car had broken down <laughs> on the way out there it was quite a fiasco of a trip um and by the time i got home my foot and i had it elevated it was swollen up like a balloon man and what had happened is i tore all the like one whole side of ligaments i had torn and oh my god that's hardcore for away for uh some weeks but also that night uh, a friend of mine wouldn't even come out of his tent for a while because the mosquitoes were so bad. And I wanted to like meditate for the sunset. And I went up and did that. And I thought of this teacher and the story she told me about the mosquitoes. And I sat there and did the same thing. And I had the same experience. Mosquitoes would land on me and they would not bite me. And that was, it was transformative for me. It changed, wow. it changed my relationship with mosquitoes for the rest of my life. That is awesome. And so you told your body that you wanted like, a break or whatever from the pain so that right you right so you got back <laughs> yes exactly yeah please just you know can you manage yourself for a little while and uh tomorrow i promise we'll go back and we can we can work on it together and it was like deal you know yeah it's pretty yeah cool. see you could probably do that every day with you know like if you get a headache or whatever, like I can't have a headache now. Is it all right if we you, we just don't do this now? And your your brain will be like, all right, you know. So I, I when I forget to eat and I don't, you know, ha I just tell my body, I know I didn't eat, but can I not have a headache? I promise to do it this, you know, whatever. And my body usually is just like, yeah, okay. So I mean, it's fine. And I try really hard to give myself things that I think are, you know, doable. So I, I, I keep thinking, is there a way that I can work on, you know, how my arms and legs are not straight? Yeah. And so I try to visualize every night that they are straight. And usually when I do this, I have, this is, I had this situation happen with that mindfulness thing too, where 
where you are very conscious of your body. And then I feel all the pain that I've ever blocked in my life, which is yeah. a lot. Yeah. And it's really bad. So when I do that for my legs, I get that really bad pain, like all the pain I've ever blocked in my legs, because I'm like concentrating on them so much. And just even saying this now, <laughs> my legs totally hurt. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. So I don't know how to like, work around that so I mean I do like stretching exercises before I go to sleep and I try to fall asleep with it with them being stretched my legs and my hips and that is when I feel most comfortable and that's when I usually dream about walking or running because to me that's the straightest that they can be so in my mind they feel straight Mm -hmm. And so that's when I'm like running up and down stairs or running on the beach with Ollie or doing all that kind of stuff. And so I don't know, like I'm, I have, to, I think I have to like work on different ways to approach it, but I think I can do it. It'll probably be like not as fast as something, you know, smaller or whatever, like, yeah. you know, allergies are hurting my foot. I mean, cause this is, it's been like this since I was 11. So it's a long time for like my body is really used to it. And like, I got to have, I got to let my body know that, you know, I don't want it like this anymore. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I can do it. I mean, the more confident I get, I think the better results I'm going to have. When you were talking about uh, it, the itchiness before, um, it made me think of times when I had that. And then suddenly I started to feel like how much I wanted to scratch my nose, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and like in, in long meditation sessions, a lot of times that happens, like I'll feel a little bit of a an tickle on my nose and then it just becomes like all encompassing. Like it is the extent <laughs> of the universe, that little tiny itch. Um, when I was a kid, I'm just going to share this in case it's worth it for you, but it it's, it's um it was difficult and i'm not saying it's going to work or not work though when i would have severe ear infections it was an intense pain like a blinding pain and i talked about this in in one of the i think is uh episode two part one um the this really really intense pain and there were two ways that i would be able to find relief from it uh, and one of the ways was my mom would like do praying on me, like hands-on praying, and that actually, like, I would find relief there, and it was wonderful. The other way was instead of trying to avoid the pain and being annoyed by it, not just annoyed, that's a very, you know, annoyed, full caps, underlined, full yeah. exclamation marks, um, you know, instead of being tortured by the pain, uh, I would stare it down. I would look at it right in the center. You know, I would like, all right, pain. And I would go for it. I would like find you like, where are you? And I would look right at it. And somehow it's like I would find the center, the middle, the perfect balance point, and it would completely disappear. And, awesome. and if I moved away from it slightly, it would come back. But if I looked right in the center of it, it would disappear completely. In what, case like the, that's helpful, like a what? Like the eye of the storm. <laughs> Yes, I think so. Yes, like the still point in the middle. Yeah, actually, quite apt. I think so, like the eye of the storm. So in case next time you're trying to do that um, and your your legs are paining you, maybe that becomes a helpful tool. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to try it tonight, and then I'll tell you what happens. But it definitely, I'll tell you, man, it took some courage to 
get to the eye of the storm. You know, you had to go through the, the high battering winds and all the lightning and thunder to, to find that peaceful center. But then when it was there, man, fuck, that was such a good relief. Excuse my language. That's French. <laughs> I, I was thinking too, from what you said, was that that you had to go through the pain to have it stop. When I felt the pain, I thought that meant it was not working. So I stopped. Uh But maybe I stopped too soon. I see what you're saying. Okay. Could be. I'm not making any promises, but (laughs) it did work for me. And that, that really was among the fiercest pain I've ever had to endure for sure. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? So, so then you talked about dreaming and I, I definitely want to talk about your ability to lucid dream and how do you do it? You know, how, how can you teach me to do it and everyone that's listening? Okay. Well, I started doing it when I was really young and I started to have um, troubles, you know, doing regular stuff. Like I'd fall a lot and whatever, and, you know, and it would always be, when I realized, oh, this is really easy, or when I was flying, or when I was like, you know, jumping down the stairs, doing something that would be really hard for like a regular person to do, or, you know, like nobody flies or turns into, you know, a dog in real life. But I would hear my friend saying, yeah, I was talking to my friend and then I turned into a dog and then I ran through a sprinkler. I'm like, didn't that occur to you that that was odd? And he's like, no, I just always accept everything. And I'm like, okay, that's what most people do. They're like, well, I woke up and I had this super cool dream that I was at Hogwarts and whatever. And and I'm just like, okay, I just taught myself to recognize when something was too, you know, fantastic. And then I would just be like, okay, this is a dream. And then right when you hit that point, then you can fly and grow wings and, you know, run and jump in the ocean and become a mermaid and just do whatever because your mind is like free to do it all. And I I have lucid nightmares also, which I always think make really good stories, like short stories and stuff. And I've written a whole bunch of stories I really don't show people. I just write them for myself or whatever. But like, I've had so many cool things with, you know, like werewolves or, you know, like uh, mysterious kind of stuff where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I got to write this all down. And then I'd write like 10 pages of a story and stuff. So I don't know. I think all dreams are, you know, are good. And you probably learn stuff from all. But yeah, you just have to tell yourself before you go to sleep. Um, I want to, I want to recognize it. I want to, I want to know, I want to, when I'm in the dream, I want to all of a sudden be aware. There's been people that have do like certain things. Like there's a lucid dreaming book that I read in college where he would always like, um, he had like a couple of like different tests. Like you, can you, can you read in a dream? Like a lot of people can't read in their dream or they try to use their phone and then it doesn't work or they can't, you know, get to the part of the screen where you you know, dial some like, like simple things that you would normally do are like unavailable to a lot of people in dreaming. So like, I would look at something and if I couldn't read it, I'd be like, okay, well, this is a dream and stuff. But like, there's so many like, significant things that are different in dreams that people just go with. And, you know, you just have to teach yourself not to, you know, just to recognize it. And then you'll, you'll be able to do it pretty much every time you sleep, because it's, 
feels totally different. I mean, and I have a lot of normal dreams too, where I'm just hanging out with my friends or I'm petting my dog and stuff like that. But it still feels different to me because I, I never look like how I look now. I'm always normal. And I think that's probably why it's easier for me because, you know, you're normal all the time. So thank you you very much. Most people would disagree with that, but I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks. Oh, um, I did want to tell you one thing that is, is uh, kind of funny and, and it's about, um, remember Erica? Yeah. Well, she visited me like two. Did you say the ghost magnet? Yeah. Okay. She was the one that, um, I don't know if I ever told you this before, but I think it's kind of, it's like, it would make a good uh, intro to a horror movie. She made me go to a witch store in uh, the 90s because she wanted to have like a psychic reading and there was like a bunch of like you know ingredients and sage you know smudge and everything and they had all these cool rings and everything is this in salem no it was in milwaukee it was on brady street sanctum sanctorum i don't know why is that was that one of the yeah that was one of them i I think uh might have been it but anyways continue yeah so she wanted to do this um reading and she wanted me to go because she said I'm I'm the only one of her friends that was open-minded and would not make fun of her and I'm like okay and so we went and while we were there she picked up this ring that she was really attracted to and she's like what do you think of this ring and she put it on and um it looked kind of you know witchy and magical and stuff and had like amber maybe I'm not sure and uh the witch lady came over and she's like you know, that ring is very special. It it reveals your gifts because the ring, the the, the gem sits on your, against your skin because it has like an opening in the back. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, what is it? What kind of gifts are you talking about? And she's like, well, you'll see if you buy it. And I was like, that's so, you know, ominous or whatever. And then I'm like, I was thinking, don't buy it, don't buy it. And then she's like, I'm buying this ring. And I'm like, okay. And then within days, she started seeing spirits, like, everywhere. That is, like, not, like, paranormal, you know? Like, you know how he would walk down the street and he would see them everywhere? I I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? It's It's a cute. Halloween movie about a kid that sees spirits and he likes to sit with his grandma and stuff so it's like a it was pretty wholesome but um so she would if she would go into somebody's house and they had spirits they would like go to her because they knew that you know she could see them and when we would do things together if there was any kind of spirit around they would show up and that was almost all my ghost experiences were when I was in the city next to her because they would be attracted to her. So she visited my house like two years ago and we were up in the playroom on the third floor where my niece um, has her, all of her doll houses and LOL dolls and Monster High dolls and her art table and everything. And so I called um, my brother and said, can you bring over my niece? Because they are the same age and they're both really goofy and fun kids and they totally got along and they were running around and elena was dressed as wonder woman so he thinks that was her he kept calling her that wonder Uh woman instead of elena and they were having a a good time and stuff and i said well do you still see spirits now because you know she's a mom now she lives in oregon and she's like oh yeah 
And um, so I said, well, does it, is it normal now to you? Because it's, you know, that happened in the nineties when she got her gift and, you know, now it's, well, it's 2018 then. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. She's like, I, you know, I, I'm okay with it. So we, after she left, I, sometimes the spirits linger in the house because they all, I feel like she's like a light and they, and they're attracted to it. Mm -hmm. And then after she leaves, they're still inside the house. And then once they realize she's not here, they, they leave again. But for a few days, everybody in our house had like a experience, which is so great because my dad does not believe in any of that stuff. He thinks it's all, you know, goofy or whatever. Mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So the first day, I was the first person to notice anything. It was kind of like that movie, The Sixth Sense, where it gets really cold. Well, I was going, it was like 95 degrees again, and our house has no air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Our house is so hot, I mean, because it was built in 1895. So, I mean, it's it was like boiling hot. And it's very gothic, your house. I know I love her house yeah. and so I was going towards the bathroom and then the there's that doorway towards the attic where it's you know third floor and as I went past there was this cold air like opening the refrigerator coming from the attic and I was like oh my god and then I opened the door to try to look up but there I didn't turn the light on but there was something on the stairs I could feel it and this, like, the cold air hitting my face. I was like, how is that possible? The attic is usually the hottest part of the house, down yeah. in the basement. And I was like, oh, wow. And then so I just went to bed, and I didn't say anything to Michelle, because, you know, Michelle thinks that's goofy. But I should have made her get up and go into that area, because, you know, you can't not notice that. And then the next morning, I started to tell my mom, and she said, oh, I already saw it. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, it's like this shadow man. He's like, I saw him in the kitchen. And then I said, oh, really? And she's like, did you see him? I'm like, no, I just felt him. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, oh, I, she's like, I assume it's because of your friend Erica. And I'm like, yeah. Uh-huh, she's uh-huh. like, I, she's like, it'll be gone in like a day or two. So we told my dad and my dad just rolled his eyes. Like he uh-huh. thought it was the stupidest thing ever. And then my, and my niece shows up. And um, she comes upstairs and we're talking and stuff. I don't tell her anything about this because I don't want her to be afraid to come to our house or anything. Like our house is too scary. And then she's like, I'm hungry. I'm going to ask aunt, you know, grandma Velia to uh, make me some food. And then she came upstairs and she's like, she went on some toast. And she's like, I saw the shadow guy by the stairs. <laughs> I was like, like it was nothing. Like she saw a squirrel or whatever. And I, I like didn't try to, I didn't make any reaction because I didn't want to freak her out. I'm like, that's nice. She's like, <laughs> what? And then she's like, and then she just started talking about her dolls again. Like it was no big deal. And then the next morning, my mom said, I have something to tell you, but don't, don't let your dad know I told you. And I'm like, okay. She goes, your dad had something happen to him. I'm like, yes. You know, cause like that is always great yeah. when someone that's non-believer has something yeah. happened. Yeah. So he was in the basement doing laundry and he said it was so hot. He felt like he was going to pass out. Cause he's like, Oh my God, it's so uncomfortable. He's like, I know it would be expensive to get, you know, it, you know, whatever that is air that 
whatever that's called, or get air conditioning. We finally bought air conditioners last year for the first time. We finally broke down oh, and got yeah. So at that time, he said it was so unbearable that he almost passed out. And then he went upstairs, and then he came back down 15 minutes later to check on it, and it was freezing in there. And he said that he could not believe how cold it was, and he was, like, shivering with cold. He's like, it was, like, colder. He's like, I feel like it was colder than the freezer. And then he goes, and then I realized this is exactly what Laura described to me yesterday that I said she was imagining or whatever. And he's like, there's no way that it could have, you know, dropped that much in 15 minutes in our base. Yeah. And for what reason? Like, how do you, how would you explain that scientifically? Yeah, he couldn't. And then he said that he felt like something was in the basement with him. So he quickly went back upstairs and he's like, don't tell Laura, but it's all my mom had to tell me. Cause she's like, I know you'd want to know, but yeah. So I've never, I didn't ever told dad that I know about it. Because- so, well, he's going to find out when he hears this, that shadow man seems like a cool guy. If I can make such a lame joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he left the house felt a little lighter, but I mean, I, he wasn't like a negative spirit or anything. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was like a regular guy, just, you know, doing some stuff, you know? So it, it the house didn't feel bad. It just felt like something else was in our house with mm-hmm. us. So, I mean, I was fine with it and my mom was fine with it. My dad was a little bit <laughs> not fine with it. And Elena was, you know, totally okay with it. Mom's- but yeah. This dog I have, um, it, you know, we go by some people on the train platform, and if they have a, a scared reaction, then he'll bark at them. If they don't have any reaction, he's fine with them. And to me, it's kind of like that with ghosts or, you know, when you feel a presence, it's just like another person hanging around. And if you're weird with them, they might start to feel a bit weird about you, you know, or if you like yeah. are an a hole to them, they may be an a hole to you. And on the other side of that coin, just like people, some of them may be a-holes, kind of, you know, and, and others are just like regular folks. So, yeah, I don't think we need to be like automatically afraid uh, of them or something. <laughs> talking about you? You're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that too, that, you know, like I, when uh, Elena first started coming over, and it was around Halloween and she had one of her monster high dolls that was supposed to be a ghost. And she said, are ghosts real? And um, I was like, I know that's probably one of those questions that you're not supposed to answer and that their parents are supposed to decide stuff like that. So I didn't say anything. And she's like, I want to know what you believe, not what you know, what you think, you know, what you think my parents told me. Like she yeah, wanted to know yeah, my actual smart. And I said, okay, I believe in ghosts. And she's like, I knew it. I knew they were real. I just knew it. She's like, thanks for saying that. And then my brother comes in. She's like, me and Laura believe in ghosts. <laughs> like, oh, Busted. Oh. <laughs> I know. And my brother just started laughing. So I, it was fine and everything. But yeah, I mean, I know his um, his wife doesn't really like me so anytime anything like that happens I'm always like filled with anxiety like is this gonna come back to you know you know hurt me but luckily she did not mention it to her mom but like she asked me stuff once in a while and I'm always kind of like I don't know what you know what I mean I just can answer what I think and you know you don't have to believe it yeah right yeah 
And I just talked to her like she's, you know, another person, not like a little kid. And she asked me the question. So I figured, all right, if sometimes she asks me a question, she like loses interest before you even formulate your thing. Right. You're like, oh, that's good. Because one time she asked me who Jesus was. And I was just like, well, he was like a baby that grew up to be a guy that did some stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how how much information is okay. And then she, by the time I got done saying that really vague thing, she was already like doing something else and she wasn't even listening. So I was yeah. like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, thank God. I mean, I don't, her mom, her mom is scary to me. So I don't want to ever want to, anger her because I love Elena and I want everything to go smoothly and stuff like that but I mean I don't even think Elena heard anything I said really so I was pretty safe on that <laughs> but yeah I, I think I, little, go ahead no you go ahead you go ahead I do like that little kids are very receptive to believing in spirits and and that you know and magic yeah and the impossible like they don't they don't think anything is off the table yeah, I think I think that's key to to somehow have a balanced, sure, skeptical mind, but also at the same time allow allow for the weird thing that is happening to continue happening. So, all right, this brings me back to a couple things. I like the way these dominoes are about to fall. Um, I want to check out Paranorman. Thank you. This is a little kid who can see ghosts, and he doesn't have any reason to think otherwise. I like that. Um, I recently rewatched The Corpse Bride, which was fun to rewatch. Been a while. And uh, have you seen the movie Waking Life? No, I write it down though. What is that? The animated movie? Yeah, yeah. It's like rotoscope animation. Um, and yeah. I don't know if it's Link Letter or Mother's Bro or something, but uh, it's really good, man. It's very, very cool. Uh, and and they talk about dreaming in there. So. So then this circles back to dreaming. And for me, I, I want to ask you about this. Um, I can lucid dream, but it seems like as soon as I realize I'm, I'm in a dream and I want to do cool stuff, which is usually flying or, you know, whatever I can manage, it's like an egg timer has started and I've only got like three minutes to do whatever I can possibly do. And then I'm going to wake up no matter what. I would love to be able to continue dreaming, to stay asleep, to just play in that world of, of super creative, surrealistic, you know, phantasmic exploration of my creative potential. But I wake up. How, how do you not wake up? Okay. I have noticed that that's the thing too, where you get so excited that your probably your your heart rate probably is going up because you're like, oh, this is so great, you know, and you're really ah. and that is what wakes you up. So maybe like ease into the stuff. Don't go right for flying, you know. Maybe do something more like, I don't know, less exciting, you know. And then maybe you can sustain you're dreaming longer because I noticed that too that if I'm doing something so cool or I jump off a bridge and you know land in the water you know usually I wake up when I hit and I'm like I you know I have to like not be afraid of anything or not be too excited and just like be more like in a calm meditative state so that when I yes. go through the water then I can go and be like a mermaid and continue to do yeah so you gotta yes. you try try to Try to be as calm as you can, and that will that will keep you. 
thank you. That's brilliant. I will, <laughs> I will definitely hopefully remember that. Like okay. part of the trick is almost like I almost get excited at the fact that I'm lucid dreaming that I realize, holy shit, this is a dream. I can do yes. some stuff, you know, and like that's <laughs> all going to wake me up. Um, I had a dream one time that uh, I was being squashed. I was on I-94 heading west out of Milwaukee, um, like near, I don't know, going under the, the maybe is the 27th Street overpass or, or one of the, maybe is 5th or 7th Street or something. I forget now. It's been a while. Or maybe it's 15th Street. Anyways, it's one of those first overpasses on the freeway. And there was a semi on either side of me, and I was driving my old POS, um, which is short for piece of shit. I just don't want to swear in the podcast, so I say POS instead. Um, I was driving my old piece of shit Chevette, and uh, these semis were on either side of me, and they started to close in, and they were like crushing the car as I'm in it, driving it. And they're and like they're crushing it, and they're like they're gonna crush me, and they did crush me, and I died, and I stayed with it, and like I had the experience of being crushed and dying, and like like blackness, like nothing. I stayed there for a while, and then I woke up, and I was so glad that I did that instead of waking up like ah, you know. <laughs> And there have been other dreams where I've died, but like you said, you, you wake up right as you hit the water. Like I then wake up at that time and I really want to allow that to continue. I want to have the, the courage and surrender to, to stay in that moment, to experience what it is, at least in the dream world, that my body is telling me is the experience after that point. Have you had dreams where you've died or you know just something else that's yeah so what's that like oh yeah <laughs> i die all oh the time. yeah really <laughs> all right i think it's because you know since i'm already lucid and i die i'm not like afraid of dying because mm -hmm. i know it's just going to be something like a new experience or something like that and i i always wanted to be like reincarnated or something to somebody that's really strong and healthy and stuff like that so I'm always like well I want to see what is it what is it going to feel like am I going to like separate and then reform or something so I always want to stay in and see what I have to see like or if I'm a lot of times I see like the universe or something where you're like oh. around, like in that cosmos thing or whatever cool. and it's it's yeah it's really beautiful and that and that really makes me feel calm because you just feel like, wow, everything is so beautiful. And, and I, st I stay there. I mean, the only time I usually wake up is if someone's like, I have those chasing dreams where someone is trying to. Um, yeah, totally. Have, yeah. They're, have you're, me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those always make my heart rate go up because, because I always can run really fast until a certain point. And then, you know, you're trying to run and then you can't move anymore. Yeah. And then, it's like, oh, this person is getting closer and closer. And then I always wake up because I'm like, oh, I don't want them to get me. Because when I have, um, I, I, I can't really feel water or certain sensations in my dream. But if somebody stabs me, I can feel it. So, I mean, then I wake up and I can still feel it a little bit. Like uh -huh. for maybe another like, couple seconds, I wake up and I can still feel where I was stabbed. But I'm just like, and then you just feel like kind of, like your breath is harder or whatever like okay yeah but 
I have been able to fall back asleep and have continue on if it's a really good dream. Yeah, I've had that a couple times less than I've wanted to be able to do it. Sometimes like just turning over is like it just disappears, you know, just like, yeah. but yeah, I really like that. Um, one of my tricks that I just learned this fairly recently, but um, I know I've, I've used it now in some dreams. If something terrifying is coming, I say, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, really? yes. Yeah. And, and it kind of like um, disarms it, you know, it, it, it like diffuses the, the terrifying part and uh, it can either just become neutral or even friendly. Oh yeah, like if if I have like a monster or something, I can just like hug it or whatever, and then yeah. it'll be like, "You're my friend now." <laughs> have, have you done it, or you're just saying yeah. it? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yes, 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 and it just changes everything. <laughs> you ever have those dreams where, like, man, I've had these where I've got a winning lottery ticket or a bar of gold. And I know I'm dreaming, I'm about to wake up, but if I can just like, you know, hang on to this thing, <laughs> hang on to it to bring it into the real world as I wake up and I feel like it is so real. And of course I wake up and it's not there. <laughs> well, that's always better than because, you know, you don't want to bring some weird thing into your, like, I don't, I don't yeah, think probably, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, when I talk to people that have similar dreams to other people, I always think that's cool. I always wonder if you can like link up to somebody else and find them. Cause I, when I have like anxiety dreams, I, I always think like I have to bring in my friends so that it can, you know, cause then you always feel supported. Like you're more invincible if your friends are, even if they're not physically doing anything, just that they're there, you yeah. know, and that, so Michelle's like, you should just have me come in because you know how I am. I'm like always, you know, dependable and I can like, you know, make you feel calm and stuff. And I'm like, that's true. So I usually see her or my dog. Ollie's always in my dreams, like in pet him and stuff. And uh, <laughs> it's like he can hear you. <laughs> um there's I think that there's definite potential there uh I've I've had similar experiences where there have been like close dreams one time I was laying down with a dog a friend of mine was doing a vision quest and um in this style it, in this tradition it was Lakota and so someone asked that he there's a fire that's lit the whole time um this is I only know this I'm no expert on Lakota I just know this from his experience doing it this way but you light a fire and someone has to tend the fire the whole time. And that fire is kind of like a kite string. Like the person on the vision quest is a kite and keeping that fire lit is like a kite string. And I was sleeping with his dog. I think his dog's name was, was bear actually. Um, huh. Or maybe it was a Lakota name for bear could have been it, but I was laying down, my head was on bear's chest and we were kind of laying down near the fire and, and I was drifting off to sleep, which is a no, 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 I shouldn't have been doing that. But you know, when you, when you're about to fall asleep and you have like this like jerk, yeah. you yeah. know, like, like a little shock of electricity, well, I felt that coming on and then the dog jerked. I didn't jerk, but the dog did. So it was like, we were somehow connected in that oh, awesome. semi lucid. When you are out in space, out amongst the stars and the cosmos, is there a sense that there are others around you, a, 
or are you completely alone in the cosmos or like what is it yeah i do feel alone which is weird i guess i don't really think about it i did have a that out of body experience when i was in um when i was in grade school where i was running and i felt my myself a little bit higher and higher until i could see like the top of my head Mm-hmm. And then I could see myself running and I was like hovering way above, like I was really small. And then I got so high that I was like around planets and everything like that. And then everything kind of blacked out. And then when I woke up, I was laying on my back and the lady said that I, she was calling to me. And I was, she said, it was like, I couldn't hear her. And then I just ran into a wall and then I fell down on my back. And uh, so she asked me about what, why I did that. And I said, I try, I try to describe to her that I like, since I was a little kid, I didn't have like the words to say, I went out of my body or whatever. But I remember reading later that that is like easier for little kids to do it then too, probably because they're more open to that on like how they can see ghosts or accept ghosts or learn how to do things like a new language or something because your brain is still developing and it's so open and when you get older you're just kind of like well that can't happen (laughs) so but yeah I do remember seeing that then too and I mean I still remember it like you know so vividly and I probably was seven or eight because I could still run and I stopped walking when I was 10 so when I was nine I was already in that stage where I was falling all the time mm-hmm. and I did not run because I was afraid I would always fall and hurt my teeth or my face or or my I never really fell backwards I always fell right on my face or my mm. head mm. so yeah so I must have been when I was seven or eight and I was at summer camp and I didn't really want to be at summer camp because I felt really, I think maybe I kind of believed in a lot of stuff at that time because when I was already starting to show signs that there was something wrong and they didn't know what to do with me, she sent me to like a disabled summer camp and everybody there was already in wheelchairs and stuff like that. And for me, I kept thinking, well, if I see these people, then I will get sicker. And I kept telling myself that, you know, I shouldn't like, look at them because my my mind would think that that's what was going to happen to me or whatever and uh I was always really afraid about that which is weird because like maybe like at that time I already believed in that kind of thing and I wanted to be around people that were healthy and were doing better so that I could see that and my mind could like record that but I wasn't allowed to be around normal people after a while the school kicked me out when I was like I don't know third grade or something so and then why why? because you weren't able to attend regular classes and they didn't have the facilities or resources to give you what you needed or what what was the deal that sounds like a really shitty thing to do (laughs) 
It was because um, I went to Maryland Avenue, you know, that school's still there. Yeah, okay. And yeah. they had a nurse that came in for like maybe two hours in the morning, you know, like if you didn't feel good and they, she would feel your forehead and be like, you got to go home or whatever. And then she would be gone. But I got hurt every single day on the playground at lunchtime. And so she had to keep staying later and later and they didn't have it in the budget for her to be there constantly. And oh. like when I was in gym class, I would always get hurt. And like we had our gym teacher wanted to play that, you know, that kickball game and dodgeball and all these yeah. kinds of things that you need to have ba balance for. And I'm like, I am not really good at balance. And if I fall, I'm just going to fall and I'm not going to be able to get up. And I'm like, is it okay if I sit down or sit out? And be, he'd always be like, no, come on, toughen up. And, and I'm like, I have really bad balance. I'm like, and then, so he would pretty much when you're a kid, no one ever listens to you because you're a kid and they think you're just trying to get out of stuff. Sure. So he like threw it at me and I just fell and I got knocked out and I was just laying in a pool of blood or whatever. And I guess he was totally scarred by that because when my brother and sister had him a year later, He'd always say at the beginning of every class, if you do not feel well, raise your hand and you can sit out. If you need to go to the nurse, if you need to go home, <laughs> you know, like, and oh, everyone man. knew it was because of me. Cause that really like, he was, cause he felt bad that he didn't listen to me. And he's like, I'm going to spend the rest of my time listening to kids and trying to hear them. Yeah. So everyone, well, they found out later that everyone thought I died. And wow. I was just like, Oh, because you didn't come back after that? I didn't come back. Um, yeah, I, after, I think it was like really shortly after that, I didn't come back anymore. And so they all thought I had died and they never asked my brother and sister because they thought that it would be, you know, yeah, sure, yeah, to sure. Them. did you ever freak anyone out then that you met? Yeah. <laughs> I was at a baby shower, like, <laughs> way like 20 years later and some girl's like oh my god are you Chris and Alicia's sister and I'm like yeah and she's like oh my god she was like hugging me and stuff and I'm like I have no idea who you even are uh -huh, and she's like uh -huh. that's what she said we all thought you died you know back in second grade or whatever oh, oh okay and I'm like no I'm fine <laughs> like well not fine obviously I mean you look at me and you know that I'm not fine but that you know I'm alive but yeah I mean it's weird though because the way people look at me is so much different than the way I see myself so like when I had my my first surgery my doctor looked at me and she's just like you're very small and you're very frail and I don't want you to go home afterwards. I want you to stay and be, you know, watched all night. I'm like, I think I can just go home afterwards because I'm really tough. And she's like, and she was like, I, I don't feel comfortable. You know, you're so tiny, you only weigh 50 pounds. And, and then after I had my first surgery and I did really well and I was just getting up out of bed and taking myself to the bathroom and, you know, eating and doing everything. And she came in to check on me and she's like, I feel bad, but I have to admit that you are way tougher than yeah. you know, most people. And she's like, I should have listened to you. Yeah. And, and then I heard other people that are super healthy couldn't get out of bed they yeah. were like in agony they you know needed somebody to carry them around and they were totally healthy and like and they were just like in totally incapacitated and stuff and I'm like well I knew that I was gonna do well and I did well and then yeah. each time I had because I had four surgeries 
by the second surgery, I like felt nothing. I just felt really good. I, I mean, I couldn't even barely tell that I even had surgery. There was like zero pain. All I wanted to do was just go home and get on my iPad and watch TV and stuff like that. And then I would forget when I would get home that I even had surgery that day because I felt so good. And she's just like, you're, she's like, I'm not going to ever, you know, discount what you tell me if you tell me what you need. And so whenever I see her, she's like, does it bug you that people talk to you differently? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, my nurse talks to you in a different voice that she talks to everybody else. And she's like, does that, do you feel demeaned by that? Because people treat you like a child because you're so tiny. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I go, she talks to me really gentle, but I think it's because, um, I felt like she was mobbing me. Like maybe I reminded her of her daughter or something. Okay. And, and, um, and then like later she's like, you know what? I think you're right. I think, I think that is what it was because she does have a daughter. And, um, so like, I feel like if you remind somebody of something, they're like, they're, they might change how they talk to you. Cause I know if I meet somebody and they remind me of like Noelle or somebody that I love, I am way different to them than if they were just some stranger, yep, you know, yep, you feel yep. more warmth towards them, whether yep. it's, you know, in your mind or not. And I felt very, a lot of warmth and like love from her. Not, I didn't feel it was condescending. I felt <laughs> it was something else. And, she, and she said, Oh, well, my nurse is very, serious and no nonsense and she's like a lot of people don't like her and think she's very unfriendly but you she treated so lovely and then I thought oh maybe it's because she thinks you're small I'm like no I don't think that's it and then when I took her my read on it she kind of smiled and she's like okay so I mean I think that you know it's just how you look at things so I mean you don't have to assume that it's like a bad thing you know right I thought it was nice that she was like that with me. Because a lot of people, when they go to the doctor, they feel anxious because no one wants to be at the hospital. I mean, hospital right. and the dentist are scary and stuff. And so, I mean, if you if people are nice to you, it makes it you know a better experience and stuff. So, I mean, I mean, I I like that I showed her that I could be tough and that she can't. You shouldn't just judge people for being small. I mean, you can be. I always think of Yoda all the time because he was small and he was tough. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot of small people that are tough. I mean, but. Your MD I, went into remission. I mean, you, it, it came on when you it started to come on strong when you were nine years old. Is that right? I, then- I started showing signs when I was six and I started getting really sick around like eight or nine. Yeah. And then. At 10 and 11, I mean, it was very severe. And then it went into remission when you were 12? When I was 11, yeah. When I was 11, I I went into the hospital and I had a new doctor who was a neuromuscular doctor who specialized in like different forms of MD. And he spent like, I was there in the hospital from April 3rd to August 20th, so like five months. And in the very beginning, he gave me tons and tons of tests. And then he came out and he's like, I finally diagnosed you because I've been waiting from age six to 11 for my diagnosis. And I was like, so thankful. I just wanted to cry. And then he told me, oh, it's dermatomyositis. 
And then I'm like, can you just repeat it over and over again? Because I want to remember it. And he's like, okay. And then I'm like, he's like, well, how do you feel? I'm like, oh, such a relief that, you know, now I know that you can cure me and stuff. And at that time, I didn't realize that most muscular dystrophy did not have cures. But to me, I'm like, well, now I'm going to be cured, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, Well, yours has like one treatment that has worked for a lot of people. And uh, so to me, that's like, okay, I'm going to be cured. And like, I knew I was going to get better. And I... I got better like immediately my because I used to have all those like sores on my arms and stuff like that from um, uh, skin infections and they all healed like immediately and then I started getting stronger and um, I just I didn't have any pain anymore and then I heard that the only other girl in our state that had that she never responded to it at all she um she stayed exactly the same. And he's like, oh, you're really lucky. And I remember thinking for the longest time that it was luck, but I don't think it was luck. I think my body was like, yes, okay, we're going to do the thing, you know? So, because like they kept telling me, oh, we don't know, we don't know. And everybody was always so worried and stuff like that. And, and like when finally they had like a thing saying that I could get better and I was like, I am going to get better. But I mean... It, I I don't really see doctors really anymore because you know until I had my my breast thing I never had anything wrong with me I was always fine and I never really got colds or the flu and maybe once a year or once every two years I'd get like a three-day sniffly thing and that was about it so I mean I always think that I do pretty good at ma- maintaining stuff and I do take airborne because I that I always think, well, that's going to hundred percent cure me, which I know it's half and half me doing it and half the, the airborne or whatever. Cause I remember Oprah Winfrey talking about it. I'm like, well, she would know, <laughs> like, I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's, that's the thing with, if you believe in that person and I figure, well, Oprah knows. And she also interviewed the lady who made airborne. And I really liked her story about how she used to, she invented it because she had a bunch of young kids and she taught grade school so she was sick every single day and I remember Erica when she taught kindergarten she was sick every single day for a whole year Mm. and finally the teacher was like you know what I cannot be sick every day for the rest of my life so she decided that she was gonna keep mixing different things different vitamins and supplement stuff and then when she finally came up with one that everyone in her family was never sick again then she's like, this is it. And then everybody in the classrooms were like, how come your kids are never sick? And then they're like, well, we want in on that. And then she just started making it for more and more people. And then eventually that became airborne. But like, that was like such a good story. So I'm like, okay, in my mind, if it can stop a teacher and kids that are constantly touching everything from getting colds, you know, then that's pretty hardcore and it's supposed to be for people you know traveling and the germy airport or whatever (laughs) but yeah i think it's like you know if you believe it's gonna work it's gonna work you know and everybody has their thing that they think is the ultimate thing and then but i i always think well you know, you believe in it. That's why it's working. Cause somebody like Kevin takes like oregano or some kind of thing, which I'm like, how is that supposed to help colds? But he believes it does. So 
it works for him. So yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> are you using headphones? Yeah. Did he just think He's... I had big ears? No, these are um <laughs> I these really are... hope and actually I'm gonna show you something. They have um they have old socks on them. Oh, okay. Because they have this like uh, leathery film on it. They're made. I got them in like 1993 or something, and they're really, really great. They're comfortable. Sound quality is excellent. They're they're Sony uh, Studio Pro, I think they're called. Uh, Studio, yeah, professional. And um, they're so nice, but the plastic comes off, and it makes me have this like you know faux leather plastic material stuck on my ears uh after i have them on so i i have cut some socks apart to, to be a new covering for them um so they're highly fashionable yeah well i have like really bad eyesight now from being on my ipad all the time and now like i have trouble seeing close up far away and middle whatever and i'm and sitting so pretty far from the camera too so yeah yeah so like if i'm like this i almost can't see you at all so if i'm like closer like this i can see you better but you're still a little bit blurry and it's like so annoying so i have been trying to like work on that too when i'm when i'm sleeping because i get eye strain really bad and my eyes hurt for like a couple hours and i just have to close my eyes listen to podcast and i have noticed that when i do work on it that when I have my glasses on, I don't have to keep taking them off to see close up anymore. So I I am getting a oh that helps. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so I I have been trying to work on that because like obviously it's I love taking pictures. I love doing artwork and stuff. So when I have trouble seeing, like I can't tell if my pictures are turning out until I get home and I have them on my iPad and I can put my face really close to it. But when I'm taking the actual picture you know, I can't tell if somebody's blinking or if there's something in the way or, you know, now it's like, okay, I want to be able to see, I need that. I need to see it as much as possible. Thank you. That's so much better. Sure. Getting a super close up here. Um, hmm. Oh, I thought of one other thing I wanted to tell you. Cool. Um, when I spent like, like a day hanging out with this guy who was like a a doctor like a a doctor student and he also was a psychiatrist yep and i said well why if you're a psychiatrist why are you in school to become a doctor are you want to do do you feel like um being a therapist or a psychiatrist isn't as visibly successful and when you cure a person of like a broken leg their leg is fixed but when you are helping somebody that has post-traumatic stress you can only help them deal with it better but they're never like cured or whatever and mm -hmm. do you feel like that didn't feel as successful as you wanted to feel and then he didn't say anything for a long time and he said yes I think that is a big reason why I changed because when you say you're a doctor you know people obviously think you know they respect you and everything but you you feel like you're really you can see the help i mean and i'm like do you think it's better i mean don't don't you think your mind needs to be helped to be you know a happy person too he's like well i think it's still valid but it's not as valid as you know helping your body 
And then I'm like, really? And then he goes, I know that he goes, I think it's just the way society views it. Yeah. And so we ended up talking about, you know, your body and mind and how people see it. Like if you say, oh, I need to go to a therapist, a lot of men particularly will be like, oh, no, I can't see a therapist because I don't want people to think I'm weak or whatever. Uh Uh And I'm like, that's not what it is about. You're just trying to actively help yourself get through like a traumatic experience. Or like, well, we should be able to do it ourselves. I'm like, well, if you were able to do it yourself, you know, you would already have done it. So you need someone to like direct you or help you give you the tools to do it. I'm like, so when I was talking to him, I explained to him what I was working on because that was right before I started doing it. And he said, well, because your your mom opened up your pathways as a young kid, he's like, I think it will be way easier for you than other people to do the rapid healing or the anxiety thing or anything else that you want to use it for because you already, you know how it feels. And other people, they haven't been raised the way you were raised. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should work with it with Elena with it because she's really young still and she could use it her whole life you should when you have kids you should raise your kids like that too i i have encouraged my daughter to recognize that there is a lot that may be going on that we don't understand or have measurable evidence for but is nevertheless valid and mm-hmm. I think that she is tuned into that and, and open oh, to it, awesome. at, least, at least more so than maybe many of her peers or many of, of us raised in Western society. Your mom, what, what is her background? Who taught her about the smoky fingers and toes? Well, my mom's half Mexican and half Native. Her dad was raised on a um, reservation. And I guess it was like a big scandal or something for them to get married and uh what I reservation think, what tribe i think it was pueblo okay and um navajo maybe yeah oh the yeah pueblo the, indians I, I don't know that's what my mom told me like my mom is not very chatty but i know that a lot of the stuff is from her mom her mom was very spiritual and she would talk to me a lot about you know how she believe that there was um spirits and stuff that has happened to her like she there was a story that she told which I think is so great about a woman that lived on this property that all the kids were afraid to walk in front of you know Uh like yeah kind of like monster house or whatever and they all believed that at night, she would become a cat and wander around the neighborhoods, you know, just doing their own stuff, and that she could also turn into a tornado, and my mom claims that she saw her turn into a tornado, and I was just like, that is so great, because, like, my mom has this vivid memory of seeing, like, one of those, like, you know, those little swirly and small ones, yep. and, and then that woman standing there, and, uh, and she's like, I believe that that is what I saw. And she's like, I was really young, but I, you know, my mom said, oh, well, that's how she travels like that or a cat. And so her mom believed in all kinds of stuff. So she, my mom just accepted that as, you know, 
this is a whatever a little kid and so when we were little she would talk to us about spirits and about you know supernatural stuff all the time like it was just regular and my dad of course was always like oh you know like totally <laughs> paid by it <laughs> but, but yeah I'm pretty sure it was her mom and dad I mean like I met them briefly when I was a baby and when I was two years old I don't think that they came up they were they live in they lived in El Paso before they died and we never went there really I mean I think my mom said that when my sister was not born we're all like you know 10 months apart um and my brother was one and I was two I think we did go to El Paso but I you know we have no memories of that and then they came up one time when my sister was four years old and there's pictures of her at the domes with my sister and then I don't have any memory of that at all. And uh, so, yeah, and my mom is just not very talkative. So I would really like to know more stuff like, well, where did she come up with this? And why, you know, why doesn't she talk about this more and stuff? So like I did my ofrenda last night for my grandparents. And What's I that? Had, you know, did you ever see the movie Coco? No. Oh, write it down. You have to see that movie. Is it a it's Disney? About, it's a Pixar oh. movie. Yeah, yes, I haven't seen it. I would like to. Cool, thanks for the reminder. So beautiful, but yeah, yeah, it's about the um, the ofrendas and how you have to make them and what the elements are. You need the photos of your ancestors, and then you have the flowers that represent earth, and then you have water pictures, and then you have um, fire, which is the candles, Mm. and then you have wind, which is those flags, you know, those you know, they're like. They're like paper flags. You've seen those. And then you put stuff that they liked and sugar skulls and candy and then, you know, all the Mexican bread, like the conchas and stuff. And you put that out there. And then on All Souls Day, which was yesterday, Mm. then they come and visit you. And that's what the movie is about, which is so awesome. But so I made mine last night with Michelle for my grandparents. And, you know, and then that always makes me feel good because it's... I don't know, because, you know, then they come and visit you and stuff, and they eat your food and whatever, <laughs> dance around with you. <laughs> like, it's so cool. But I, we're going to do a bigger one next year, because, like, um, I always wanted to do one, but um, I, I need, like, a huge amount of space, because, you know, I have to really do it up and stuff. But after you watch it, you have to tell me if you liked it, because, like, I saw it, I own the movie and I saw it in the theater like three times and I was just like sobbing because it's so, so lovely and stuff. But I'm really yeah. compelled by the imagery of like the, the decorated skulls. It's something that I'm really drawn to. The, the Dia de los Muertos motif, this, you know, the flowers and skulls and the, the beauty, the celebration of that. It's, it seems archetypal it seems familiar and it seems hmm, like it has its own gravity for my my interest so that's why i really want to see that movie i definitely will let you know yeah yeah was your mom involved in in what was the name of what you did for your grandparents that you made a frienda a frienda was your mom involved in making the ofrenda for your grandparents no i did i did it all by myself i like made the like the it's like a, I made a shadow box and I put a picture of them in it and then I cut them out and then I put like a blue sky with clouds around them and uh and then I put I have so much um 
Day of the Dead stuff. And then I have a lot of stuff from the animals, you know, the, I don't know how to pronounce it even, where they're like the different color ones. And um, the um, alabrahis, they're so pretty. I have like dogs and horses and birds. And we used to go to the Mexican Museum every October and we would talk to all the different artists and then they would have somebody translate like how they made it and then you could watch them make it or paint it or whatever. And they would have sugar skulls that they made there and you could take them and stuff but now because of coronavirus you know there's you know obviously they didn't come up but plus Wisconsin is so bad now I mean I'm sure nobody wants to come here but maybe next year we can go and where's the Mexican museum South Milwaukee on six no Chicago oh Chicago okay I'll send you the address to it they have a beautiful museum and their gift shop is huge and it's so cool and then they they have like artists from all over Chicago make um altars and ofrendas for their family and they're like installations and they're huge and since they're artists everything is like handmade and so beautiful and like I love going to that it's just wonderful but yeah we couldn't go this year but maybe we can go next year I designed a mural for uh one of the the Mexican I don't think it's a museum but it's certainly a cultural center in Milwaukee for Day of the Dead and it was of the um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dog is kissing me it was of the uh virgin of guadalupe and oh yeah with all the roses that come out of her uh cloak and the the guy that like witnessed it i think his name was juan something um yeah and i, I think it was a terrible mural but i i appreciated given the honor to, to do it can i see it do you still have a picture of it I probably have. I I know I've seen a picture of the sketch of it, and the sketch pretty much resembled the final thing. Um, it was certainly not my forte. And doing a mural is difficult, man. It really made me appreciate that. Scaling up a drawing when something looks decent as a drawing, and you do it as a mural, it's a it's a whole different game, you know. It it really visually is is quite different, and it's somehow distorted and and less interesting because the level of detail you have you know per square inch let's say on a drawing when you scale that up uh to me i i lost some of the texture that was there and i i really struggled probably probably more mentally to want to fill it in um and and couldn't uh, but yeah that was really cool i really loved being able to be a part of that and to understand this uh, Virgin of Guadalupe and and this culture. I'm I'm quite mystified uh, and enchanted by the South American um, ancient culture in general. I I think it's incredible. I think there's so much there that that we can continue to learn from and ought to and have sort of lost because of the it's been eclipsed by the you know, magnificence of the bright lights of, of Western culture, um, unfortunately. And uh, there's, there's so much richness there that uh, we ought to return our attention to and like integrate into our understanding of what it means to be living on this planet and, and engaging with the invisible world and the lives of those who have passed uh, and these sort of more magical realms yeah well, i want to know what you think about it when you see coco and 
I want to. I want to know. Like, oh yeah. Here's what we're gonna show you. This is a book I'm reading now. This is a book that's all about Charlie Hernandez, The Castle of Bones. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you know the guy, the Percy Jackson guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's he um, commissioned a bunch of other cultures to write books about their myths and legends. And that's written. It's really cool. I really like it. I mean, this is the second book in the series. So you should read it. It's good. I know you still always read tons of books like Harry Potter and what was the other one with the dragon? Oh, yeah. Aragon. Yeah. Yeah. Aragon. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings and The Name of the Wind. Have you read that? No, let me write it down. I just, I totally recommend it, man. The Name of the Wind. And the third book is due out anytime soon uh, who is it patrick rothfuss oh i heard of that name okay and there's there's two he's got quite a following and he he lives in wisconsin um oh, really? oh. yeah my my brother actually was lucky enough to work at the diner that he'd frequent for breakfast uh for a while um and to me i mean that's incredible the guy's like a god he's like J.R. token you know um <laughs> But uh, the the books are fat. They're like 500 pages, and they're they're really generous. There's so much that these books give in terms of interesting story, uh, beautifully written, like really well written. As I think the Harry Potter books were also very well written, very interesting, very page turning, and uh, similar like that. And it's a coming of age story um, in a classic sense. But man, it's so inventive and creative and uh interesting i think so i i'm sure you'll love it name of the okay way. i'll buy it at barnes and noble next time we go because we've been going like every couple weeks because i once i started doing my hypnotherapy i started being able to concentrate really well i hadn't read books in years because of my anxiety but i read eight books since the summer kick ass I know. I'm like really excited. So I'm way, I can concentrate so much better now. And that's why I was, I was thinking of starting to write again and I'm doing drawing and like photo editing a lot more. And I think it's also because of Michelle, because Michelle is super calming and stuff like that. And she's always like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to hear. And then I just do my thing. And so, yeah, so I've been able to like, I don't know, I feel way more confident and myself now and I mean I guess I mean I should have been confident a long time ago because I mean a lot of the things I do are special and I I just I don't give myself enough credit for it and think well it's just me (laughs) you know you're totally super heroic I mean (laughs) when did we meet 1991 I'm guessing I don't know. I just remember you in the photo lab with your long hair. You were so adorable. You're still adorable. I have a hard time getting away from the mirror when I brush my teeth. Now I do it with a blindfold. Otherwise, I'll just get stuck there in my gaze. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I remember meeting you. It was in the bookstore. And just still, you have, you have like a very strong voice like it it is larger than life and there it has a quality to it i don't know what it is laura but there's it just like resounds with honesty and and truth and and is 
interesting and fascinating and like it's bigger than life man it is beyond normal for sure it's super it's super <laughs> heroic it's super cool man i really love that we're doing this i freaked out for a second because i looked at <laughs> i looked down at the zoom thing and i thought it said that i hadn't been recording this whole time but no we're safe it's, it's, <laughs> like, oh, it's recording as <laughs> <laughs> nice. i was talking about how cool your voice is um yeah man <laughs> Really, you. I, I hope that you do get uh, the opportunity to kind of like see your own reflection or the way that maybe you are um, seen or taken or, you know, from the outside because, uh, yeah, it's great. Isn't he beautiful, this dog? Yeah, I was. Ta- I told Michelle about him and I went to your profile and I looked up all your dog pictures. Yeah. I'm like, look at this beautiful dog. <laughs> I, I should I should put them on there. I'm not allowed to take pictures of all the dogs, um, but the ones that are up for adoption I can. There are some dogs there that are not up for adoption or for one reason or another, um, you know, we, we can't uh like put their images on social media. Um, but they're all just wonderful creatures. They're each one is an individual that has its own like integrity you know and and personality and to meet the dog they'll notice when you meet it you know the dog will notice like hey you're seeing me you know and there's a a new level of connection there i i love it i'm so honored to to be able to have these guys um spend some time here at this humble apartment does the dog sleep in bed with you yeah and that like i've had smaller dogs that just no problem you know they they snuggle up under your arm and that's great um the bigger dogs they want to and i also want them to feel welcome i want to them to feel part of the pack i don't want them to feel pushed away or unwanted at all um but like this guy can we'll let him usually because he's so damn cute and he really wants to be in bed with us Actually, he also wants to be under the covers. He will use his nose like a shovel and like demand to get under the covers and and curl up and then stick his little nose outside of the blanket. Uh, um, but he he's a big guy, man. He's a big dog. So at some point in the night, he's on his side and his legs are straight out, and Illy and I are now like squished to the final third of the bed. And then I'll wake up and be like, "All right, buddy, you gotta go out." You know, and I'll put him on the couch and put a blanket over him and we'll close the door. And then in the morning, he usually wakes us up before any alarm. You hear the, you know, clickety clack of his little dog toenails on the floor and he'll start to whine behind the door and we'll open the door. Remember how Golden used to smile? Do you remember that? Yes. He yeah. like bare his teeth, you know, well, this dog does it too. So he'll jump up on the bed so excited. He'll bare his teeth and start sneezing in excitement. <laughs> It's so cute. <laughs> Whenever we take Ellie for a walk, he sneezes like 10 times when he, and then he does his little walk dance because he knows he's going to go out. And He sneezes so- in excitement? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. Yeah, it's super cute. <laughs> he's adorable. When uh, Erica had her puppy, her puppy used to see her ghost, and I'd always look at, at the ghost, and then yeah. she'd be like, validating it so it's like your dog has your back (laughs) always thank you so much for sharing these stories too Uh, are you cool with all of them yeah yeah i I mean like the ones 
the ones that are like you know helpful ghost stories like the one that used to save her from people i always thought those are like the cool ones like i don't know did i tell you those ones where where a guy like was harassing her and stuff and then he tried to come to the house and the ghost wouldn't let him in and so oh, he couldn't yeah. he couldn't go into the house like there there was like a the ghost created a barrier so he couldn't go through and touch her and i'm like that is so awesome that ghosts can be like nope <laughs> you're not touching my person so like yeah. and there was another girl that was kind of um very toxic and negative and she used to humiliate erica all the time i'm like why are you guys friends she's so mean to you like when erica used to have agoraphobia and she couldn't leave the house for like a year and if people would try to force her to leave she would pass out because she would just get too worked out and when she finally was able to leave the house she came to the bookstore that was the first place she went when she was better and she came and hugged me and said look i'm out of the house and stuff and that girl saw us on a walk we walked like a block or two away from the house and she's like well why don't you get a job and she like yelled at erica and said that she was taking too much time and and that erica should have you know done this this and this and i'm like you know yelling at her isn't gonna help her get better you know it just you're just making her feel like shame for you know taking the time she needed to heal mentally and stuff and i i was like really angry with her friend i'm like your, your friend is not very respectful to you so when it, we were in the house like about a week later and we were in the kitchen no the living room and um that girl just came into the house she didn't call ahead or knock she just walked into the house and sat down on a chair and just started complaining about erica and then her ghost wasn't having it he like no i think all of her ghosts were women actually she like put a column of smoke around her wrists and they just wrapped around her like tendrils and then around her neck and then around her head and her chest and they just got thicker and thicker until the whole room was filled with this gray smoke and then she got up because she was uncomfortable and she didn't understand what was happening. And she just said, every time I come here, this happens. And then she left. But and Erica the, saw the smoke. I was there too. I saw it. And you saw it. Yeah. Wow. And I was just like, what is happening? And I just kept rubbing my eyes. And I was just like, there is something in my <laughs> eyes. All I see are these ropes of, of gray smoke. How is that a thing? You know? And I just, I, I felt like I was like hallucinating or something because I'm like, I cannot, I cannot figure out what is happening. And then as soon as she left and the room went back to normal, I'm like, what was that? And then she's like, oh, thank God you saw that. And I'm like, yeah, I did see it. And then I described it to her and she's like, yeah, that, that's what I saw too. And she said, yeah, whenever she comes here, that happens because the ghost is trying to get her to leave by making her uncomfortable. And I'm like, can she feel it or just see it? And she's like, I don't know. We have never discussed it, but she does see something. And because uh, I think it depends on like your level of, I don't know, openness to how much you can see. Because yeah. sometimes when I would be in the kitchen, I would see like a gauzy thing across my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, something just went past me and mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. And she's like, oh, it's a woman in a white dress. 
So to Erica, it was like a fully formed person. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. For me, it was just like something was there and I don't know. And I could feel something else was there because I felt like, you know, you feel like the air is heavier and you feel like something is there, but you just don't know. But to Erica, she said there was three women and like a kid ghost in that house. And they always took care of her. So when anything bad happened, they would try to like comfort her. And she dreamt about them too and would talk to them and they would tell her things and stuff. And I was like, that's so nice that your ghosts are like, you know, they love you. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted her to be safe and they didn't want her to be hurt by that girl. And that guy, you know, he kept, you know, she, she kept saying, you know, well, why why don't why aren't you coming to the house? And he's like, we both know why I can't come in the house. So like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people they when they know something is happening, they still too stubborn to say it because they they don't want to feel foolish or whatever, or they don't know like what are you seeing, and they're too afraid to say what they are see, are seeing or feeling and stuff. So have you, know, you ever heard them talk to you? Once. And I was with Erica, of course, and I heard somebody talking. It was a really low male voice, and it was coming from right above my head. And I couldn't understand anything he said. I could just, it was just, it was loud, but it was like unintelligible. But then when I asked Erica, Erica said it was totally crystal clear to her. Mm. And that's when he said, I really enjoyed our, our night. And um, because we had been telling ghost stories, and he was attracted mm-hmm. to the ghost mm. stories. Yeah. So, but what the cool story was is that a year later, we went back to that lady who sold her the ring and Erica wanted to do a reading. And she said, before I do your reading, I have something to say to you guys. And we're like, what? And then I was like on the other side of the store, just looking at random stuff. And she's like, yeah, you had a ghost attached to you for three days and you heard it and it was, you could hear it in the leaves. And she like described like every single thing that had happened to us. Yeah. And you know, and you know, when people say that like psychic stuff is not real, I'm like, yes, it is. I mean, yeah, they're always like, oh, well, they just, they say really vague stuff. They could be anything. And then you make it into whatever you want. I'm like, that was not the case. We came in there and then she just started telling us stuff. And it was before the reading and she described the entire night in detail And I was like, holy crap, this lady is good, (laughs) you know. And she said, never have one of those again. And so we never did. But, like, she's like, nothing happened. Your ghost was fine. You're friendly and stuff. But, you know, you had him for three days, which we knew. And um, But she advised you to never have one of those again? Yeah. And so we're like, okay. Because I don't know if she saw that something bad would happen the next time, that maybe it wouldn't be a friendly ghost. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or something. But yeah, we didn't ask any follow-up questions. We're like, yeah. well, okay, we'll take okay. your word for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've said enough to convince us. Um, I, so that's really interesting. There's a there's a podcast I 100% recommend in terms of ghost stories. It's by, uh, I think it's New York Studios. It's called Spooked. And every year, I think starting maybe in August, maybe September, they begin with their episodes and maybe they'll do 13, I don't know, um, but, you know, culminating at, at Halloween. Um, and they're true ghost stories. They're people telling their, their firsthand encounters uh, that they've had with the paranormal, with the, the invisible world, the unseen. The first time that I had heard this, I think was season one. It was maybe three or four years ago. It was here in Sweden. 
and I'm listening to these uh, ghost stories, and they're compelling. They they remind me. I grew up in a in you know experiencing different things for sure, with an understanding that you be polite to them and treat them as guests, and talk to them that way, and invite them or or ask them nicely to you know. Uh, perhaps not interfere or, you know, something like this, but, but be respectful as you would with a, a person, you know, um, be kind. And, and this is how it was. And um, yeah, my mom has had experiences and, and we've had them at the house and, and I have it at different times in my life. So in listening to this podcast, it's sort of reawoken uh, the, the familiar feeling of this. And I'm walking away from work and I'm walking to go up, to meet like the the surface train that I was going to take to the main subway to get home. And a voice said, you're going to miss the train. Oh, cool. Uh, and, and I'm like, ah, uh, you know, I don't really want to run. It'd been a long day at work. You know, I was had a big heavy backpack or something and it's like, you're going to miss the train. You know, you should increase your pace. So I like, kind of half run walked for a while and then i'm like all right this is it like i'm i'm okay to miss the train and then the voice was like i know it sounds crazy but it's not a voice like i hear a voice like maybe you would describe that you audibly hear a voice but it's yeah. like a message i'm getting in my head and then the message was like you're just gonna make the train you're gonna just make the train and as i came up to the street that i had to cross it there comes the train and i did i just crossed the street <laughs> just made the train <laughs> like ooh, like that's cool like thanks for that little show and tell you know um and then that night I actually had a experience uh at the end of sleep so early in the morning actually not that night but kind of through the night but early in the morning I had an experience with um a friend of mine who had passed on and she was coming through and talking to me and I was a little bit freaked out by it. And so I kind of wanted to, like, what I was taught by some monks, uh, like, of, of an Orthodox tradition, was that if you think God is talking to you in this case, um, let it go. Like, you know, because it could be the devil tricking you. This was the way that they talked about this. Um, so don't listen to it. Let it go. And if it really is God, he's going to keep talking to you. So, you know, you don't worry about it. As much sense as that makes, this was how I had couched this experience. I'm feeling this person come through when they're talking to me. And I at first wanted to like, let it go and say, you know, it's, it's just my imagination or whatever. It's the influence of the podcast I was listening to, but they were persistent. They were present. They were here. And as I, uh, they have a, a, a sibling that I know and I'm friends with. And as I brought up the sibling, they got really strong and were like, yes, yes, yes. Like, tell this person, tell this person. It's really intense. So then as morning came and Illy woke up, I, uh, I tell her about this experience. And as I come to the same part in the story that it got really intense, this person comes in again, really intense. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Tell this person, tell this person. Um, and it was really good. And they actually, it was, it was a trade. Did you have uh, a message? Say that again. Did you have to deliver a message? Yes. And, and, 
and they also gave me a message. I asked if I could help at all. Well, well, this was it. They were giving me the message to care for the ones that are immediately in front of me, my daughter and my wife. Like this is all that matters because I think work was overwhelming for a couple of years. And it was at a time when it was just like, good Lord, like how can I possibly balance life? And this person was saying, care about those people in your life, care about those close to you. That's your focus, you know, your daughter and your wife, that's it. And I was like, thank you. Cause at first I was a bit, yeah, that was it. I was a bit afraid. And then I'm like, no, like, cause I, yeah, I felt like they wanted me to do something for them. And I'm oh. like, I, I can't, I can't help you. Like, I'm so sorry. And, and it was like, no, 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 you're not understanding. I have something for you. And it was that, wow. that message. And then okay. I was like, thank you. Can I do anything for you? And then they were like, you got to tell my sibling, tell them, tell them, tell them. So, and I did, and it feels weird to do that. Cause then I feel like I'm intruding on something very personal and difficult and, you know, but nevertheless, it was so clear that it was real and that I had got to hold up my end of the bargain that I did follow through for whatever it's worth. Someone can think I'm a nut job, you know, um, that's okay. I'm still going to follow through and do that. And I did. And it was, it was well enough received. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. How long did it last? Um, well, like, maybe 20 minutes, you know, cause it was like 10 minutes, the first part of, of me feeling it and then feeling uncomfortable that I couldn't help. And then understanding that I had it wrong. They're there to help me. And then, you know, saying, thanks, can I do anything for you? Um, and then retelling it to my wife uh, about the same amount of time. And really that they were still there present. So probably all in all, Wakefully, 20 minutes while I was asleep. Who knows? I don't know. But something about listening to those ghost stories, you know, like you said, it had maybe attracted this ghost to you guys. It certainly had that kind of effect for me. Yeah, well, that's, that's probably why it's a, a saying or whatever it is that has happened to other people. What's a saying? Or like that when you tell ghost stories it attracts the spirits yeah yeah i think so yeah i didn't i haven't heard that so much but it completely makes sense and that it's a saying is like you know there's so much i don't know (laughs) when i was in the photo lab um there was a girl named michelle who was my uh four by five partner and i told her um, cause she said, what are you going to do for Halloween? And I said, oh, nothing. And then the next day I said, oh, we told, um, ghost stories. And I go, so because of that, we're having like a scary story night where we're all going to tell ghost stories. And she said, oh, well, didn't you ever hear the thing? If you, if you tell ghost stories, it, it, uh, attracts the spirits. And I'm like, no, I've never heard that. She's like, you've never heard that? And then to her, it was like a thing that everyone knows. And I'm like, okay. And then I, I said, well, okay. And then so I took that into consideration. But then when it did happen, I told her. And I'm like, yeah, you're like the person in a movie that's 
you know, trying to warn you and uh-huh. then you just disregard them as being like, whatever, it's fine. You know? <laughs> so I thought it was pretty cool though, that she had tried to tell me that that was a possibility. And I just went like, man, eh, it's fine. <laughs> so, but I like thanked her later. I'm like, yeah, you know, you tried to like, give me some good advice and I, you know, I didn't really listen to you, but you were right. And she's like, see, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because I guess she, go ahead. It's the whole point of what we're talking about now This and this whole podcast is that I want to encourage people to have their own direct experience because otherwise they're just listening to some guy and some lady talk about some stories. So it's about encouraging people to have their own direct experience. So then they're like, oh, oh, all right. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She had an experience at a sleepover party where they told stories. That's why she knew about it. Mm-hmm. And fair enough that we think that they're just stories until they happen to us. Fine. But just be open to it. Have your senses, you know, uh, open all channels. Be willing to receive. Not yeah. foolish, but willing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, in the in the uh, in the nightmares, or you know, and if there are scary uh, elements in my dream, I will say yes, yes, yes. You know, I'll I'll have that um, sort of feeling that I want to say, like yes, yes, yes. Like you would go hug the monster. Uh, yeah. When weird things are happening in real life, I will say accept, 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 allow, 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 and thank you, thank you, thank you. Like to just stop my mind that's saying, oh, this is impossible to be happening. This can't be happening, you know. Yeah. Put that thing away and be like, allow, 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 accept, accept, accept. And it it happens with simple things like surrendering to the present moment, which is a real difficult thing to do at first. It, for me, it takes a lot of practice and it's taken a lot of practice and it's taken some really difficult times that have forced me to surrender the to the present moment. Otherwise, I think I would have lost my shit. Um, but it is it's it's with the willingness to surrender, to allow, to not fight it, to not force it into this tiny little awkward shaped box that I have created that makes sense in my little world that has nothing to do with the infinite world that I'm actually a living. Uh, participant in yeah like that's just like when I was telling you yesterday about how if I'm nervous or something and then that the dentist lady said let this work for you and then I just opened my mind to let it work for me and then I just let in all this calmness and and I feel like almost like I'm floating because I just let it happen instead of being in my mind and being afraid or being questioning things and say, well, this can't work for me because this is just, you know, a hand massage or whatever, like probably a lot of people would do, but I'm like, no, I'm going to let it work for me. And then I, I did. So I think that's what most people, why so many things don't work for people is because they don't let it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Why in Reiki before like a Reiki um, healer, practitioner, master will do any work on you, I I believe uh, the first thing that 
is done is they ask for you to give them permission to do work on you. Nice. Yeah. So you got to allow that. Yeah. Do you know how to do Reiki? I was starting to learn and I had uh, me and the, the, my partner, uh, when we were living out in the earth lodge up in the mountains in Idaho, uh, were taught by a Reiki master level one. And he totally was cheating with us to give us some symbols that you weren't supposed to get <laughs> until a certain level. Um, I accepted it and we definitely engaged in it and I, I accept it. Uh, I more than believe in it. I acknowledge it. Um, but I, I don't practice it regularly and I, I haven't received it. Um, but I have a little bit, but I, I haven't done so like as um, something that I will go to if I need to. But but if if it happens, I certainly will. I totally acknowledge it. Um, and I know other people that do go to Reiki practitioners regularly and have incredible experiences from it. Cool. I, don't, I think I've only had someone do Reiki for me a few times, like Wim used to do it for me when I had really bad cramps before I started taking birth control pills, and it helped right away because um, he told me he knew how to do it, and I'm like, okay, it's good enough for me, <laughs> So, and he did a good job. I know one of the things to do is uh, you prepare some water with some lemon juice in it, and then you blow blue light into the water, and that's a bit of imagination. And there's, to me, one of my lessons that I'm continually working on integrating is this incorporation of imagination as really an extension of understanding and allowing. Like if I'm going to be blowing blue light into a glass of lemon water, that's an imagination thing. But as I imagine it, I'm also enabling it to actually happen. And so then who's to say I am not blowing blue light into the water? Yeah. Yeah. There's something about imagination that plays some role. Yeah, yeah, because that's like visualization. Yeah, and maybe that's a much better word to use is visualization because imagination relegates it to something which is not actually happening. Um, and perhaps it's better to say visualization because it is actually happening and visualization helps you to construct it in a more focused way. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to, you're going to be a, uh, a, a regular on here. And by that, however often I do this, which is kind of like seat of my pants in a way. And I'm glad we're doing it today. Today, 3rd of November, whenever this comes out, it's going to be weeks until this episode airs, by the way. Um, if I didn't tell you that before, I, I, that's, that's how these goes, because I have a bit of a backlog, which is a good thing, because sometimes I need a break and won't do anything for a while, um, except publish these. But uh, today is November 3rd, and it's a very important day because I am interviewing Laura Robles on All One Time Live, and that's why today is such an important day. Um, but I want you to be uh, a regular on here. I want to I be able to share your awesome, superheroic voice uh, many times, should, as many times as you're willing. You should do one with, like, three or four of your friends at once and everybody can talk to each other. I absolutely will. I've thought about that a couple times and that you just said that that's going to happen for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll bring people together that I haven't ever met before. 
that could be an experiment oh yeah that would be awesome yeah. i'd love to meet somebody that you respect or think is cool for sure and then i get to take more of a back seat because people just start driving the conversation and talking and uh it's so good <laughs> Thank that you so cool. much, Laura. You you make me feel so good. Like I was really tired today, um, partially because this guy was in the bed last night stretching out and making it difficult to sleep. Uh, and does he and kick was, you a lot? He does no, he but he does like twitch and move, and every time he does that, I'll I'll wake up. But I love him being there. Like I just it's it's like this mixed thing like i really love to give him that presence and contact and confidence that he's part of a pack and he's accepted and we're all here together but at the same time i gotta get my z's um yeah so you know uh it's a bit of a mixed bag but i was really tired today and i was concerned that oh man you know i've got i had a really busy day today as well and like oh man i got this interview tonight and i want to have energy for it and i feel like i have more energy now having oh awesome it's really great. It's uplifting. I'm I'm so grateful for it. I just thank you so much. You're welcome. I really like talking to you too because I miss your face and we used to see each other all the time. Yeah, I miss that it's, too. It's been, I'm glad that they have video chat because it's yeah. it's like hanging out with somebody yeah. for a few hours. I do the video chat with my friend in England where we watch a movie together and we just talk through the whole movie and and laugh and eat snacks and stuff and she puts it next to her on the couch so it's like I'm sitting with her and then I put mine with her <laughs> to me so so if you ever want to do that you know you know that I can I can uh, watch a movie with you and your wife and your dog and then you can watch one with me and Michelle cool. and Allie maybe maybe we could do that with coco uh, and maybe oh, yeah. anything else too but yeah uh, coco yeah. is awesome i was thinking of watching it this week again anyway so so i'll i'll see if i can rent it now these are getting into boring details for podcast listeners but anyways <laughs> i'm still going to finish the sentence um if i can't i know that at some point i am going to join the uh, disney channel so that i can get up on all the Mandalorian, the season two. Do you watch Mandalorian at all? Oh, I love Mandalorian. We watched it right away in the morning when, uh, when season two started. Uh, yeah. I, so I think I'm going to wait until season two is completely out. And then I'm going to say, okay, we're going to shift away from Netflix and go to Disney for a while. And then <laughs> if I can't find Coca before then it's, it's going to be, it's on Disney, right? I think it's on Netflix too. Oh, really? Kick ass. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks for talking. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, if if there are some people that like, if Erica is is she cool with us saying her name, or should we bubble it out? Anyone else? Like, I I usually uh will just bubble out people's names if we say them. I'll ask Erica, but I'm I'm pretty sure she'd be okay with it. Okay. Cool. I talk to Erica every day too. Right on. Oh, and greetings to Erica. Okay. <laughs> you took some cool pictures of us together and you took the coolest picture of me that was ever taken. Um, was it? It was in this uh, book that's on my shelf. I can see it right now. Hey, Illy. Can you grab that purple book that's on the, um, it's on the shelf above your basket. It's the only purple book there. I think it was, it was, yep, that's the one. Uh, it's called the laws of ascension. Oh, okay. And uh, it is this picture. <laughs> oh yeah, that, like that's rock. like that is the coolest picture of me that was ever taken. 
You are cool. That's why. <laughs> In that picture. Thank you. That was great. Um, all right. Anyways, I love, I, I'm glad that we can do this again. I, and I'm looking forward to watching a movie with you. Um, okay. Sounds good. Virtually sitting on the couch together. All right. <laughs> all right. I love you so much, Laura. And you know, if I was there, I'd be giving you a big hug. So I love thanks. you too. Miss you. Miss you too. All right. Till next time. Okay. Bye. Bye for now. Bye.